You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Good morning, church. So glad you're all here in 2020. You made it to the new year and uh, way to go. Um, We are going to dive into God's word this morning. So excited for next week. I I really believe it kind of marks a, a new chapter for us as a church um, two services, as, as we've just felt this mandate to multiply, this mandate to be uncomfortable for the sake of making room and space for others to come in. And, uh, and so that's, that's really the heart, especially next week as all the college students come back, this place will be even more full. And so uh, that's why we timed it with January 12th as the start of the, the school year on the campus and in all the schools here in Ames. Um, so Come. If you come at 10 a.m., you actually haven't missed out. You're just either here right in time for the response. So I just, in faith, jump into the response. You can just be the first one at the altar. Or, um, or you have a lot of time to catch up with people before the service starts at 1045. So kind of got to you get, pick your options there if you show up at 10. Um, at the same time, next week, we are strategically starting a new series. That I'm really excited about um, Pastor Tony and I have been talking through the series for several months called ready to answer uh, in this year-long theme that we are ready, we felt compelled to take time, five weeks specifically, to, um, to talk about big questions that are so common uh, when it comes to people considering faith, considering Christianity. Um, so we are going to take five weeks to dive into five of, we believe, the, some of the biggest questions that people have when it comes to following Jesus. Why is it that we believe Scripture has authority in our lives. Um, why is it important that we believe that Jesus is God? I am encountering a lot of people who believe Jesus is, is a good guy, a good teacher, historical figure. But to take then, then the, uh, the idea that, that he is God, that's maybe too far of a leap for them. So why is that central to Christianity? We're going to talk about is faith and science compatible? We're going to talk about the, 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 the seeming problem uh, with pain and suffering in the world. And we're also going to dive into moral relativism and what we do with, that, with a whole generation that feels like we can, we can just kind of go from our gut feelings and intuition of individualism. So it's going to be exciting. That means, though, um, we should invite people along with us because those are common questions many people have. As, as I talk with people in the, in the lobby many times afterwards, those are the types of questions that people are wrestling through with their friends. And so if those are conversations you've had with friends or family, invite them along. Um, specifically, January, we're starting January 12th and we're diving into it. We're going to have some amazing guests during this series as well. So January 12th, ready to answer. It's going to be a phenomenal series. Um, this morning, we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 with a message I've had bring in my heart for the new year called Our Need to Seek. We have a need to see God more than ever before. As we enter this new year, we have a need to see God like never before. The church has that mandate to posture our hearts in a way that is desperate for God to speak to us in our generation. That's desperate for God to move on our behalf. And my aim is very simple this morning is to stir that up in you. To stir a sense of urgency in your hearts, a sense of faith that we need to seek God more than ever before. We need it for our generation. We need it for our family, for our loved ones. We need 
to seek God. I want to make that point very clear. Their clear illustration in Matthew chapter 16. But first, before we do that, I want to kind of describe the, the huge divide between something that's very common in our day and age and what we, what we receive when we truly posture our hearts to seek God. You see, I believe we have one of the greatest needs in our day and age to seek God more than ever before because we are so inundated with information and knowledge. Everything is at your fingertips. You can, you can Google any question you have and you can instantly receive it. But can I tell you, there's a huge difference between intellectual knowledge, acquisition of information and data. There's a difference between that and spiritual revelation, spiritual understanding, spiritual wisdom and insight. There's a veil that's, that we are born into as human beings that we don't see as we ought and we need the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. So this morning when I use the, the, the verbiage revelation, don't get freaked out by that. I'm simply talking about the revealing of the Holy Spirit to the human heart. Jesus said no one can come to, come to him unless the Father draws him. Unless the Holy Spirit opens the, 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 softens our hearts, allows us to actually see correctly, view things correctly. So in this day and age where we're inundated with information, it's all around us. Not only that, we are, we're so interconnected as a global community. We are so interconnected to world events and current events. It can be overwhelming and daunting, but it can also deceive us into thinking that we know when in actuality we don't know. We can actually prop ourselves up unfittingly, un, uh, incorrectly, and think that we got things figured out and feel pretty good about ourselves when in actuality, we desperately need to hear the voice of God. We need to know his insight. We need to know what his opinion on the current situations are. We need to see things from his point of view. So we need to seek God more than ever before. And so as a church, this has been a burning message on my heart as we, as we uh, jump into the week of prayer and the 30 days of prayer that we're starting tomorrow. Matthew chapter 18, verse four. So just two chapters after what, we, what we're gonna read this morning. Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like a little child, he it is that is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's the way of the kingdom, to humble ourselves like, like a little child. And he was saying that to the religious leaders, the ones who knew scripture, not just in their heads, but they actually committed it to memory. Like they quoted it all day long, every day. And yet he said they are far from the kingdom of God. They hadn't received it with that posture of seeking. Luke chapter 11, verse nine says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So in our generation, it's, it's easy to assume that we know. And in that deception, we're, we're removing ourselves from the adventure of discovering, exploration, and seeking that God has called us to as children of God. He's called you to seek after something, to get in this posture of, of a child. Say, God, I wanna know you more. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might grow in the knowledge of God. So please hear me out. I, this is not a message against intellectual knowledge outright. This is, this is a message more so delineating the difference between intellectual knowledge absent of the spirit of God. 
I love to learn. I love to read. I, I eat it up. It, who, who here in this place has done Strength Finders? We've had over 200 people now do Strength Finders through our core class. And if you haven't been through our core class, we're starting in a few weeks, you should jump into it if you're newer to our church. But at the end of the core class, we do Strength Finders. Strength Finders, I am a learner. Like, I love to learn. I gobble it up. I love to get my, my nose in a book and read. But I've also learned as, I'm, as I study scripture and as, I, as I've pursued the Lord, I've realized that there can be, a, there can be a, a trap, a subtle trap in intellectual pursuit solely. And it, it can be very deceiving, absent of the spirit of God. It's the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And so when we, we truly encounter God for ourselves, it's the difference between theory and reality. It's the difference between religion and relationship. It's the difference between um, ideas and lifestyle. We need to seek God more than ever before. And so here in Matthew chapter 16, it's just a real clear illustration of that. So we're gonna read this interaction that Peter has, two different instances with Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus brings him, Peter and all the disciples up to one of the most northern parts of Israel, Caesarea Philippi. And it says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Which is a great question for each and every one, one of us to ask ourselves. Who do you say the son of man is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a, a great historical moral uh, leader from, from history or or is he the Christ? Is he God? They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and on, and on the, and sorry, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So great job, Peter. You, you submitted yourself to that, that leading, that revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's instance number one. Instance number two, verse 21 from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The huge divide between being affirmed as this was not revealed to you through your own intellectual pursuit, this was revealed to you only by the spirit of God, by, by our father in heaven. That was revelation that you, that you spouted out as you declared that I am the Christ, the, the living God. Versus over here, get behind me, Satan. There's no messing around in Jesus' rebuke of Peter. He, he puts him in the same camp as the accuser himself. That's the huge divide between intellectual pursuit, because Peter, logically, intellectually, he saw Jesus, the Messiah, yes, as the Christ, the anointed one, but as one who's gonna free them from Roman oppression. So when Jesus started talking about being killed at the hands of the, of the religious leaders, it, he had no place for it intellectually. 
So there's this huge divide between spiritual revelation and intellectual pursuit absent of the Holy Spirit. We need to see God. And I believe Jesus, as he, as he affirms this in Peter, this revelation from the Holy Spirit, that, po- that heart posture that says, I-, I, want to, I want to know you, God. I want to know what you're doing. I want to discern the things that you are doing. There are, there are two things that that leads to, and I want to I break that down this morning. Seeking God leads to accurately knowing who we are and what his church is like. As Jesus affirms the, the, the declaration of Peter that Jesus is the, the, the Christ, he is God, Jesus turns to Peter and he affirms him. He speaks prophetically over his life and says, you're Peter, you're Petra, you are a rock. That's like his, his, na- his, his Jewish name was Simon, but he kind of adopted this, this nickname, a rocky, you know, like that, that was his nickname. You're, you're Peter. And he played off of it. And he said, you're, you are faithful, you're stable. It's, 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 in, it's in a similar way that I'm gonna build my church on such a, such a steady foundation and he uses a different word, Petros, and it's, it's like an immovable rock. Petra is, is like a piece of a rock, it's movable. I'm gonna build my church on an immovable rock. And he begins to prophesy that over Peter. Because when we seek God, we begin to accurately know who we are and he, he proclaims over him the authority that, that he has as a follower of Jesus. And don't for a moment fool yourself into thinking that that authority was just given to Peter. Because two chapters later, as he commissions the disciples in Matthew chapter 18, he says something very similar. He says, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. He gives us an authority. And in Matthew 28, when he commissions us with the great commission, he says, all authority in heaven has been given to you. So go and make, uh, given to me. So go and make disciples. So don't, don't, don't downplay this to just a declaration over Peter. Obviously, Peter was an appointed apostle for the establishment of the church. But don't remove yourself from the gospel, the good news spoken over your life through Jesus Christ, that you step into an authority when you submit yourself to King Jesus and you turn from your old way of thinking towards him. What you inherit is an authority. So you begin to actually walk in who you are that comes through revelation, through seeking. So let's break that down. Let's first talk about who we are and then we'll talk about what the church is like. Those are two views that we adopt through seeking, through seeking the face of God, through seeking the heart of God. First, you come into a, a, this leads you to accurately know who you are. As he spoke that over Peter, you are one of authority. Whatever you, your words matter in this earth, your words affect the spiritual realm. Your words speak or affect the, the heavenly realm. You know who you are. So you can know that you are not weak. You are not deficient, but instead you have authority. When you posture your heart to seek after the heart of God, what happens is you begin to have a revelation of who you are in him. That you are not deficient, that you are not lacking. All those lies that creep into your mind from this world, you begin to put them in their rightful place, that they are lies, they are errors. Truth is that you are given an authority, that you are adopted in the family of God as a son, as a daughter, one with an inheritance, one with an authority. You have keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's what's revealed to you when we posture our hearts to seek after the heart of God. 
And so the need is that that goes from intellectual thought, intellectual idea, because you may be nodding your head right now. I've heard that before. I've heard that as a follower of Jesus, I have authority, that I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I have an inheritance. But now the key is not just to know it in your know or in your head. The key is to get on our knees and seek the Lord and say, God, I need a revelation of that in my heart. I need to encounter that for myself personally. I can't do that for you. I can't do that through a book, through a message, through a class. That's something that you encounter for yourself through relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can't force feed that upon you. You posture your heart to seek after God. And what's revealed to you is an encounter with who you are in him. And it's needed in our day and age. Is it not? As a generation, we need to know who we are in Christ like never before. We need to know God. You need to hear the voice of the Father spoken over you. That you are, you're not an accident. That you, have an, you have a purpose upon your life. You have an authority upon your life. He gives you dominion. He gives you keys in his kingdom. You have an inheritance. You have a part to play. You're not an accident. We need to hear that like never before. I don't know what storm you're facing, what battle you're in the midst of, what wilderness season, you can call whatever you want. Wilderness season, storm, battle, testing of your faith. But it's in those moments that's forged this desperation. Hopefully it can push you away from the Lord or you can allow it to forge this or foster this desperation in your heart to truly seek after God. And it's in those moments that you really begin to hear the voice of God spoken over you. And you begin to really know who you are. Several years ago, when my son was just three or four years old, he went through this bout of night terrors where he'd wake up in the middle of the night, he'd just scream at the top of his lungs. And he, he, he could really scream as a kid. It's in the middle of the night. You know, you're sleeping peacefully as a young parent. And your, your son is screaming at the top of his lungs. And him and my daughter, Lucy, slept up in the upstairs uh, renovated attic. It was an attic, but it was renovated. It was nice. Um, and so I'd rush up there and I'd comfort him, me and my wife. And eventually I got into this pattern of singing these songs over him. This old song, you are, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, Abba Father. I would sing that over him. I would sing an old, old hymn, I exalt thee. Those two songs primarily, time and time again. And eventually as I sang those songs over him, he'd calm down and eventually he'd go back to sleep. You know, eventually he, he grew out of those, those night terrors after about a year, year and a half of that. But I believe in our generation, as we're in the midst of those, I believe terrors, those nightmare moments, those storms, those battles, we need to hear the voice of the Father. And I encourage you, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, to allow yourself to press in, to seek God, to hear the voice of the Father singing over you. Instead of curling up, a, up, up in a ball and giving up, instead of you know, raising the white flag, instead press in. Open up your ears to hear what the voice of the Father is saying over you. That he is awesome in this place. That he is exalted in that place in the midst of the battle that you're walking through, in the midst of the storm that you're walking through. This is something each and every one of us needs to encounter for ourselves. And I would say, the, the challenge is before us to really press in and seek the Lord in this, in the days to come. Our generation needs it. And I believe God's called our church to be a voice in our generation, 
a generation that's overwhelmed by fear and anxiety and confusion and insecurity. We need to be a voice of clarity and authority for our generation. Amen? We need it. And that comes upon every single one of us individually. I've been on such a journey of this over the last 20 plus years. I remember as a middle schooler, going an entire day without talking to another human being because I was so tied up in my insecurities and introvertedness. I had, I had experienced some rejection in school a couple of years prior, you know, towards the end of elementary and middle school, and it just really affected me, and it twisted me up. Maybe you've had similar experiences. But the Lord began to take me on a journey of proclaiming truth over my life. And I didn't always get it right. Sometimes I would respond with that spirit of seeking and humility, and other times I would harden my heart and, and turn away from him. But time and time again, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. Towards the end of junior high, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that was just a huge, like, it catapulted me forward in my understanding of the authority that I have in Christ. Later on in high school, God began to, to loosen me up a little bit and allow me to understand that he can use me in other ways. And, and then college, I've talked a lot about my season of, of college in my life where God opened up my eyes to, to, to show me that he can use me and that he wants, he wants me to be a mouthpiece, one who, who feels tongue-tied and introverted, like I have nothing to say. He wants to use me as a mouthpiece in my generation. That happened in my college years. And then even beyond, God has continued to bring me back to this place. As I've postured my heart to seek the Lord, the Lord's, the Lord's been so faithful that promise in Luke chapter 11, verse six. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you ask, it'll be given to you. Knock and the door will be open to you. Those are promises, I can assure you. Now, now the, the finding, when you seek after the Lord, the answer doesn't always come in the same way. Sometimes it comes through a personal encounter that's intimate, that's just you and him. And that, that happened to me several times. Other times it comes in the form of a friend or a mentor speaking truth, praying with you, contending with you, sending you that timely, encouraging word, speaking scripture over your life. Other times it comes in the form of opportunities. And the question is, in that posture of seeking, are you gonna respond? Are you gonna say, okay, God, yes, I'm gonna step out, even though this is stretching, even though this is uncomfortable, even though this is beyond what I even believe is true over my life, I'm gonna step out. I didn't always get it perfect. Sometimes I didn't respond to the words people spoke over my life. Sometimes I cowered when the opportunities came. Sometimes I was too rushed as I was waiting on the Lord. All those things happen. But I encourage you to press in and seek the Lord. He wants to give you a fresh revelation of who you are in him. Seeking God leads to accurately knowing who we are. And secondly, seeking God leads to accurately knowing what his church is like. Jesus makes a proclamation, you know, after he affirms who Peter is and the authority that he has. At the same time, he makes a declaration of what this church is gonna be like, this church that he's laying down his life for, this, this church that's gonna be central to his redemptive plan on the earth. He gives us a picture of what it's like. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's no doubt in Jesus' mind. There's no wavering. There's no, there's no, uh, Ah, we'll, we'll see, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a, a, a flip of the coin here. So we'll see how it turns out. Now he says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against this church that I'm building. I'm gonna build it. 
And I believe in our generation, we need a fresh download, a fresh revelation from heaven, from the Holy Spirit of what his church is like. We need to believe it in our heart of hearts. We need to not just know it. We need to not just be able to say what it's like, but we need to be able to, with conviction, with this burning white hot passion that drives us to the place of prayer and faith, we need to know what his church is like. It's like what we read about in the the book of Acts. Daily, those being added to their numbers, those that are being saved. The church and signs and wonders following those that believe. It's the church of Jesus Christ really alive. It's like Greek these Greek cities that they would, that the apostles, the disciples would go into, they would look at these, these disciples of Jesus and they'd be like, who are these uneducated people? They're turning the world upside down. Imagine if we got a revelation of that in our day and age and people turned to the church of Jesus Christ and said, who are these ones who are turning the world upside down? So Jesus does not see a sad Weak, frail, failing church. He sees a vibrant, powerful, prevailing church. That's what Jesus sees. God is building his church with or without us. So I wanna be a part of this company of people that are seeking after God, that really see it in our heart of hearts and we experience all that he has for us. God is building his church in Ames and Story County and throughout the world. He is, he's building his church. And that's a promise here in Matthew chapter 16 that we should, I believe, take to heart and we should pray ourselves. God, I know that you're building your church. We wanna be a part of that. He's building his church. Every single month I meet with a group of pastors from across our city. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in our city. Bible-believing churches that are proclaiming Jesus, many in a fresh way that are hungering for the things of the Holy Spirit, so many that are proclaiming the gospel with boldness in our city. And I'm encouraged by the posture in all of their hearts to seek unity and to, to have like a, a sense of cooperation and, and, um, and unity amongst us. I mean, I think it's, it's unprecedented. So I'm encouraged And at the same time, when we look around the earth, I pray that you can be encouraged by what God is doing. We live in an unprecedented age. More people are coming to know Jesus than at any moment in human history. God is working on the earth. And that's his will, that none would perish, that all nations would would proclaim Jesus as Lord, every tongue, tribe, and nation. That's his will. So as a church, that needs to begin to rise up in our hearts through the place of spiritual revelation, through the place of conviction, it being a burning reality. We begin to realize, oh, that's God's plan for our city. That's his plan for the earth. He wants to move his church forward with vibrancy, vitality, and power. That's his will. And God's moving throughout the earth. Jesus uses a phrase there, the gates of hell well, the gates of Hades or gates of hell will not prevail against this church. That's not actually a phrase that's unique to Jesus. That's actually a really common phrase for first century Jewish teachers. They would oftentimes refer to the gates of hell as a reference to death itself. So even, even if the, the church is, is coming up against death itself, 
the church will prevail. And you see that throughout church history, that every time Christianity has tried to, tried to be snuffed out by just killing them, that's actually been the seeds of the gospel in that community. The gospels actually flourished 10, 100 fold when, someone, when, a, when a follower of Jesus gives their life for the sake of the gospel through martyrdom. Because Jesus declared this 2,000 years ago, that death will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. No opposition will stop the church. I came back from Christmas break, and you know, I feel like it's always kind of brutal coming back from a break or vacation back to like the grind of Monday morning, amen? Um, yeah, so my Monday morning was that. Um, actually, my whole Monday was that. It's just like, in all, in all seriousness, it was like kind of opposition after opposition after opposition. And I'm not talking about administrative stuff or facility stuff. I'm saying spiritual opposition. That's what it was like Monday for me. And it was a heaviness. You know, I confided in my wife and I said, babe, we need a breakthrough. Like this is not, this is not what God wants in our church, in our city. And I know the church will prevail. And at the same time, do you know that God's working in our city, in our generation, in our county is not subject to the perfect environment. It's not perfect, it's, it's not subject to the perfect condition. It's so funny, evangelical Christians, Western Christians, we get in, all, in a tiffy and all, all worked up by the, the political environment, by the economic environment, by the social environment. We think it all has to be perfect for the church of Jesus Christ to thrive. Can I tell you, that is error. That is, those are lies of the enemy that are distraction for the church of Jesus Christ. And I would be getting a hearty amen from the church in China that has thrived over the last two decades under the regimes of, of communist China. Revival, now over 10% of China is Christian, born again, Bible-believing Christian, because of this move of God that's thrived in the midst of stifling atheist communism. I, I know I'd be getting a hearty amen by much of Latin America that's experienced some of the greatest revivals of our generation in the midst of uh, horrific corruption in their governments. I know I'd be getting a hearty amen from Mozambique, one of the poorest nations in the world that's experienced just an explosion of revival and church planning across that entire nation. The poorest economic country in the world. You know, here we are in the West thinking, oh, you know, America's going, going to hell in a handbasket. It's increasingly, increasingly secularized. You know, our generation's so confused and we kind of we begin to cower in our corner. No, the church of Jesus Christ will prevail and it does not, the church of Jesus Christ does not need the perfect environment to thrive and to prevail. Just look at the, yeah, amen. And you look at that, what took place in the 70s in the Jesus people movement. Tens of thousands of people coming to know Jesus at a time directly following the sexual liberation movement, all the, the drugs and the, um, you know, the wildness of the 60s and the early 70s, what followed, even though it was not an ideal condition, an ideal environment, a move of God broke out across our nation. Tens of thousands coming to know Jesus in the Jesus movement of the 70s. He's not looking for the perfect environment. He's looking for a church that's gonna seek him. And what happens 
is in that place of seeking the heart of God. God downloads upon our hearts a fresh revelation of what his church is like. And it's like, we can't be stopped. No opposition can stop us. Nothing can come against us. We have faith to believe that breakthrough is for our city, for our generation. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward. So all of this, and this, this burning message in my heart from Matthew chapter 16 is meant to launch us into this week of prayer and the 30 days of prayer that we're starting tomorrow. So if, if you haven't picked up your book, 30 Days Discovering the Power of Prayer for Adult or Kids, um, you should go pick up a, your copy. If you reserved a copy, it's already got your name on it out at the table. We have a few extra. We have probably 25 extra adult books if you have yet to reserve one. We have a few extra. We have maybe 12 kids um, devotionals out there as well. So if, if you still want to be a part, there's, it's still possible. The 30 days discovering the power of prayer, we're starting tomorrow as a church family. A journey of 30 days together, posturing our hearts to seek after the heart of God in a fresh way. In response to this right here, that's what God wants to do upon our hearts. He wants to give us a revelation of who we are in him and what his church is like. And this week of prayer, it'll be all along those lines. Every night we have a theme that we're praying after. First night we're praying for our church. The second night we're praying for our city. The third night we're praying over our country. And the fourth night we're praying over the world. Fifth night will be a, a, ton, a ton of fun. It'll be a commissioning night that launches us into the rest of the, the season of prayer as a church. If you all stand here to your feet, I want us to respond to God. I believe there's some in this place that, that just in a, in a fresh way, you need to commit your heart to seeking after the Lord. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've gotten tired. Maybe you've just kind of wallowed in unbelief. Maybe you've allowed doubt to, um, to make its way into your heart or into your head and deter you from that posture of seeking after the Lord. I want you to be able to respond to the Lord this morning. If you'd all bow your heads, close your eyes. There's always an entire you know, spectrum of people. We're all in different places on our journey with Jesus. So right now, God is calling you. He's calling each and every one of us. He wants to give you firsthand encounter with truth. Not secondhand, not regurgitated through YouTube or through Google. He truly wants to give you an encounter with his Holy Spirit personally that transforms the way you live. So right now, just respond to the Lord. Posture your heart to say, God, I seek you. You've given me a promise that I'll find you. You pray a prayer right now to him. In a similar vein then, if you're here in this place and you, you've been preparing your heart to be a part of this 30 days of prayer that we're starting as a church, would you raise your hand across this place? And I want us to pray a prayer together as a church family about the, you know, over these 30 days of what God's gonna do in our hearts. I believe that there's been a great response. You know, we've had like 175 copies 
soul of the, um, the adult version and nearly a hundred of the, of the kids version as well. So there's a great response. And I believe God's so attracted to hungry hearts. I believe as we kind of reorient our rhythm and our schedule over the next 30 days, God's gonna, he's just gonna do something so unique. He's gonna pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. So God, you see all of these individuals that have, you know, they've, they've purchased something. They've put money into something. They said that we're gonna be a part of a journey that over the next 30 days, we're kind of, we're trying to be intentional in a new way. Maybe some of us are gonna fast in certain ways. The Lord, we're, we're pressing in. We are recalibrating our hearts. And Lord, I just pray for a special grace to flood across this church and upon every single person, their hand raised. And Lord, they'd, they'd feel just kind of the wind of heaven at their backs as they, as they give time to seeking you through your word, as they give time to seeking you through prayer. Lord, as they, they set aside time every day to seek you in a fresh way, I just pray for a grace from heaven, Lord, in your mighty name, amen. If everyone would keep their, their heads bowed and their eyes. You're here in this place and, and you, you know you need to start a relationship with Jesus. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you're a, a friend or a guest or maybe you've been here for many years, but this morning you know you need to get things right with God. This morning you know you need to start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand because I'm gonna call you out or embarrass you. I just wanna know who I'm praying for. But if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Awesome, yeah. Awesome, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Awesome. So if you raise your hand, you can put your hands down, but pray a prayer like this. Lord, this morning, I choose to recognize that I am lost without you, that there is nothing I can do to clean up my life. There's nothing I can do to make myself right before you. So I choose to surrender myself to you. No turning back. You're my savior. You're my Lord. You're my everything. You're the master from this day, from this day forward. No turning back. Lord, I thank you for Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of me. Thank you for inviting me into a relationship with you, Jesus. I wanna walk with you. In your mighty name, amen. Let's give the several individuals that prayed that prayer a huge hand. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.